Hello, and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a bi-weekly podcast looking at the gaming industry through the lens of public relations. I'm one of your hosts, Caitlin Redwing, joined by my co-host, Sam Mosier. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm great. Very excited for the guests we have on today. Yes, it's an exciting guest. Today, we are joined by Natalie Flores. Um, Natalie, did I say your name right there? Yes, you did. Thank you. Um, Just making sure. She is an award-winning journalist and also the brand new assistant managing editor at Fanbyte. Small claps there for you, Natalie. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Thank you. She is also the Game Awards Future Class Member of 2020 and just an all-around like incredibly kind and kick-ass woman in the gaming industry who I have admired for, it feels like, so long, and this is the first time we're finally getting to speak. Um, it's a little wild how you just kind of like, especially with the pandemic and like the last few years, you kind of just take for granted that your Twitter mutuals are always like this little like pocket in your timeline. (laughs) And then you finally get on a call with them and you're like, oh God, I've known you for like three years now, but this is the first time that I hear your voice. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm like, I've played games with people and I'm like, oh, I'm playing with a friend. And my brother's like, who is it? And I'm like, "Uh, we're just Twitter mutuals and I don't know how (laughs) else to explain that relationship. But uh... when you you tell your parents about memes or something, like, (laughs) do you go, oh, someone that I know, or like, even though it's like a random person on Twitter, or like, I'm like, yeah, like a friend, just because it's way easier to explain that than being like, yeah so this like twitter person um in vietnam who posted this <laughs> funny meme <laughs> yeah no i i do the same thing everybody is my friend on the internet because yes. that is the <laughs> quickest and easiest way um but yes like sam said just we're very excited to have you on and thank you so much for joining i know it's a hectic time of the year in the games industry no, thank you for having me. I can only imagine, I mean, you're gearing up for GDC this week. And also after that, I guess you have a little bit of breather before all the summer gaming things that you have to prepare. Like both of you listeners can't see, but both Sam and Caitlin are just like <laughs> tight lip smile. Like, <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie asked how we were before we started recording and I like dived into nervous laughter (laughs) (laughs) it's an appropriate response these days yeah it's um yeah i can't wait for that break between now and summer because what we have i'm going to gdc next week and then is it the following week sam we have our company like getaway in las vegas caitlin and i are meeting each other in person for the first time yes that's so lovely oh my goodness congrats thank you yeah great that will be so much fun to finally like see all my co-workers in person for the first time <laughs> other than who i'll see at gdc uh and then yeah i've got like a week or two break and then it's pax east in boston oh wow yeah it, it'll be so busy stuff before the summer gaming <laughs> there yeah. is yeah. but then but then there's going to be a nice a nice lull and it'll it'll all be worth it this episode we will discuss natalie's career um, from PR to journalism, her coverage with, within like diversity in video games, and more. Before we dive into our main topic, one quick disclaimer. Triple Point works with many gaming companies that may come up on this show, including Blizzard, the Pokemon Company, Gearbox, and more. Please visit triplepointpr.com for our full client roster. So before we kind of get into it, we, uh, as always, start this show off kind of just talking about video games, what we're playing right now, because even though we are professionals, we still like video games (laughs) and enjoy playing them. Um, Natalie, what are you playing right now? Oh gosh, Um, what am I playing right now? Um, So yesterday I just watched my bestie play, well, she finished Elden Ring. Um, Mm. She waited for me, was kind enough to like, hold herself back from facing the final boss and then she proceeded to cry for like three hours as I watched and she was like I'm sorry I should have done this beforehand and I was like no this is the fun part like I do not want to go through this stress by myself um I'm not like a, a souls born games type of person mm-hmm. I 
I don't like challenges. I like everything to be easy for me. So, <laughs> so playing these games, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, the idea of dying like 500 times before I nail a boss doesn't really sound as appealing to me as it seems to be for millions of people out there. Um, <laughs> so didn't quite play Elden Ring, but I did watch her play through a lot of it and for me, I think watching people play games is sometimes just as fun as playing them, especially if yeah. it's like a favorite game of mine or a game that they really enjoy. I just love seeing sort of the joy that people get through both games that I really love or games that they're really enthusiastic about. Um, but last week I did play Haven by the Game Bakers. Mm. Uh, Sam is nodding furiously. Sam, have you played it? <laughs> I've watched uh, some streamers play it, and they just had an amazing update. Um, like yes, that's why I played it because um, I I included it in my list of top favorite games of 2020. Uh, I loved it as it is on its own in the original version. Uh, but with the couples update that they just released, which lets you play as... Um, so Haven is a game about, for those that may not know, it's a game about this couple, uh, this woman named Yu and this man named Kay. They're sort of on the run because uh, their society is controlled by this system called the Matchmaker, which like match makes people into different pairs of relationships and these two were not set up to be together but they wanted to be together so they you know ran away together and now they're in this like new world and I, I loved it. it it was a joyous time um light on the plot the character writing is so fantastic uh and they recently released a couples update uh which allows you to play as unk either as like two women or as two men so you can effectively play as one of three uh different sex or same sex couples and so i mean as a bisexual woman i loved the first game as it the original version as it was it was fine for me uh but playing it as a a sapphic relationship playing that game that way kind of hit different um right now it's sort of my favorite game of 2022 so far but we're pretty early into the year so uh i think there's enough time for that to change and whatnot um but yeah i really loved diving back into that game and it doesn't change the way that the plot goes but it really is so special to experience a game and in a way that is still authentic to you or that is even more authentic to you. Um, one of my coworkers, it had flown under his radar the first time around, uh, especially like as a gay man who like really loves to play games with specific queer gay representation. Now he could play it and he enjoyed it so much that he interviewed the developers and wrote a really incredible feature on like how they actually developed this update over the last year or so um, they started working on it after they released the game and yeah there's just a lot of cool insight in that article so you can check it over at fanbyte little plug there must do now that i'm full time <laughs> yes please please plug your own content um you just sold me haven has been on my wish list since 2020 and it just i don't i don't have enough hours in the day to get to all the games that i want to get to um and had the perpetual sort of, problem of everyone in the games industry. <laughs> it's my Steam wish list has gotten out of hand, um, but I am I do really want to check it out. Also, as someone who's bisexual, like relationships between men and women are games that like I can still relate to and are enjoyable. But it is a nice change of pace to play like the like you mentioned a sapphic relationship. Um, and yeah, I, wow, I'm really proud of the developers for doing like the couples update. I hadn't heard about that. Hadn't, I hadn't really seen coverage for the game since 2020. So it's nice to see new life kind of be brought to a game that's come out a couple, a couple years ago. Absolutely. I just think it's a great idea. Just like make your game gay. Yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> make nice your way game gay. Let's, that's a good pitch. That is shadow drop that homosexual patch. Just put it out there. Like, 
y'all all developers take notes they had the right ideas i'm i'm shallow enough to admit that yes this will make me play your game again yeah <laughs> same and i just checked so this episode will come out in time it is 40 percent off on steam right now through march 21st so oh. this episode will go out on friday so if listeners listen this friday or this weekend you have time to pick it up by next monday yeah, I to hop on to the recommendation train here. Haven easily one of the best written relationship games. Um, not that that's like an extremely high bar to clear, um, but Haven makes it you know really is an exemplary example of how to write a relationship depicted in a game. So I have not had time for this new update, but I'm excited to hop in and run it again, or at least play it for the first time because I watched it. Um, somebody else play it, but. Uh, that's really awesome for a game like that to get such a sizable and great update for representation two years after the original game release. That's, like Caitlin said, you know, not necessarily something getting a whole lot of attention, which makes it all the more good intentioned. I agree. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to play it for yourself. Like I yeah, mentioned, me watching games is fun. Um, sometimes it's even more fun than playing them, but playing them, it's like, you know, that's like the optimal way to experience a game probably. And yeah. I, I love being surprised just by what you can discover in that way. Um, so I'm excited to hear you, you know, dive back into it. And yeah, it's just really good update, really good game. Like you said, uh, character writing and relationship, you know, writing is just marvelous and my favorite thing about it. So yeah, people go play Haven. <laughs> awesome. I definitely, I just added it to my cart, so I will yes. buy it, like, as soon as we're done recording. Um, That's it. That's all that I'm here for. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Later. <laughs> I love that you mentioned Elden Ring, because I think the last, like, two or three episodes, all I've talked about and all I've been playing is Elden <laughs> Ring. Um, but I like that you also mentioned you watched it, and sometimes playing games is enjoyable to watch, because a, most of my time is... I watched my brother play Elden Ring. So I go in the living room. He's like obsessed. I watch him fail and I have been learning from his mistakes so that when I play, I kind of like know where to go. He's like my own personal guide. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> he is like your little like guinea pig. Like <laughs> he is. He's my test guinea pig. Um, I'll do everything that you don't do, brother. <laughs> basically. Um, I don't know if I... Would have enjoyed Elden Ring as much if I hadn't had him. Um, not that like there are there are guides out there to read, but there's just like something different about watching somebody play it or have like available for questions because Elden Ring is such a massive game and it's so hard that like I've had so many questions or I don't know where to go or I just can't beat this boss and he's kind of there to be like oh, why don't you do this thing? Or like, here, go, I know where there's a a power, like a good shield um, that you can mm -hmm. go get before you face this boss. So he has been immensely helpful and part of the reason why I've enjoyed Elden Ring because I'm normally like you, Natalie, where I don't like games. I don't like the Soulsborne type games where you have to consistently die in order to like mm. get better. But I don't know. There's just something about this game that's been different and has really clicked for me. Sam, what have you been playing? I am kind of between titles at the moment. I beat Deathloop uh, recently. Uh, talk about a game with really well-written characters. Colt and Juliana are awesome. Um, but I'm ho hopping into Forbidden West. I'm still early. I feel like I'm still kind of... Me too. That's it's okay. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so many games. Yeah. There's so, so many time. games. So yeah, I feel like Horizon Forbidden West, much like the original game, kind of takes a bit to get going. Mm -hmm. Um, but but I'm excited to really build out the my loadout and start taking on some bigger dinos. Uh, the most interesting thing I hopped into since our last episode was I played Fortnite for what I think was the first time in four years. Wow. <laughs> which, if you've gone that long without playing Fortnite. I know this is like a cold take, but whoo, man, they've added so much to that game. Um, I haven't played it. Did it come out four years ago or was it longer? Because I haven't played it since it came out. 
it was fall 2017 that okay. the Battle Royale mode came out. And then for me, and I feel like for most people, that summer of 2018 was when it was super hot. Um, and yeah, I hopped in with a couple college buddies that I used to play with during that summer. We were like, you know what we haven't done in a really long time? Fortnite. Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still a really fun game. I know it's, you know, it's very popular for a reason. You can swing around like Spider-Man now. Uh, I missed all of chapter two, so I missed um, them adding that you can like swim like a dolphin. Uh, you can fish for guns. Oh my goodness. It's, it feels like a game that never wants to say no. They're like, if they have a silly idea, they're just going to add it in. And I think that makes it all the more better. So uh, Fortnite's still a good game. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that I've never played Fortnite? Really? I am the wow. rare games journalist who has survived without playing Fortnite. Very rare privileged position. <laughs> Not one that I will say is the norm, but there is at least one person out there who, has, who gets paid to write about games and has not played Fortnite. <laughs> but I was tempted with the recent release of the uh, Arcane skins for mm. Vi and Powder slash Jinx. Specifically Vi, because uh, that's like my canonical girlfriend. Like, we're married, we live <laughs> together, etc. Um, so I was like, mm, might play Fortnite because I love games and I love, like, playing cool things. <laughs> Just to look at Vi and her skin. Um, but, yeah, I, I know that they recently added, like, what are they called? I, I'm I feel tempted to call them after like the the kombucha meme girl, but they're not kombuchas. <laughs> like they their names start with a K, but they're like little or big lizards, like oh, cute lizards. Yes, they look like How to Train Your Dragon yes. creatures. Oh my goodness, they're very cute. Very compelling reason to play Fortnite in and of its own. Oh my god, they're adorable. They're right? so cute, right? Combo. <laughs> Clombos, yes. <laughs> My brain was like kombucha. <laughs> kombucha. <laughs> They're so cute. So oh, Fortnite goodness. continues to yeah. be good. And I love what you said about just the game that doesn't tell you no. I mean, it's it's a privilege that uh, few games have the budget and the resources to do that. And to see Definitely. that it continually just expands that definition fishing for guns like what <laughs> so that's really cool i'm glad you had a great time with it yeah it and no worries that you ha i feel like everybody has that one game that garners that reaction like for me you know like every month gta 5 is in the top 10 mpd charts and i've never touched um, that either oh my goodness yes <laughs> and it's i can like picture like janet garcia she does the same thing on kfgd where she's like i'm the person who hasn't bought it yet and yes. i'm the same way <laughs> i'm the person who hasn't bought skyrim that's my game <laughs> there you go <laughs> i played 30 minutes of that and then i got so overwhelmed and i was like no we 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 can't do this so <laughs> i also haven't played mass effect which <gasps> i know every everybody has that reaction Caitlin, so many people have told me i would love it and i so i did get the um the was, legendary called, edition yes i was like it's not called remaster edition legendary edition last year i started one i know i'm near the end um it's one of those things where i can tell it's an older game and I, mm -hmm. I, I think I just got to a, a lull in the in the first game, and everyone keeps telling me that I just need to get past it. And as soon as I get to the second one, I'm going to be hooked. Um, yes. But I just haven't had time. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I I can't say I've never played it because I am in the first one, but I haven't finished it, and it's been six months. <laughs> oh no, that is understandable. Um, but I feel like. I don't know. I feel like you would really connect with Garrus and Thane. They have beautiful I, eyes. You I do know, love Garrus. Characters. Yeah. Um, also, they're they're hot aliens. Well, yeah, I, questionably, but Thane. I feel like we could say hot alien. Oh, you can say hot alien because um, if people know him, Bear Punch on Twitter's. He's had a Mass Effect podcast, and I'm pretty sure when he told me I needed to play it, his reasoning was there are hot aliens because yeah. he knows me. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, but Caitlin, you're one 
potentially really attracted to hot aliens and two <laughs> not heterosexual. How can Agreed. we have yes. a play like it, this is my mo, my bread and butter. This game was made for me. I almost downloaded Fortnite. Was it last year when they added the Venom skin? <laughs> like hot alien. Hot alien. That is what you need to sell me on a game. Um, I just I didn't grow up on Mass Effect and I, I missed it and so now I I have to go back and it's a whole it's a whole process but it there is. are hot aliens and they are hot <laughs> <laughs> I I can't remember if I mentioned this last week Sam but my my game when I'm not playing Elden Ring to like it's very different is Ooblets. Oh, okay. The, I, you know, the ends of the spectrum. Yes. Elden Ring yes. and Ooblets. Ooblets. We were talking about the kombucha uh, dragons, <laughs> and I was like, another game that has adorable creatures is Ooblets. And, like, thank you to the Pop Agenda team. They sent me a code, and I was like, you've made my day and my life because I'm obsessed. And for people who don't know, it is like this adorable charming farming town life like game where you are growing and collecting these little creatures that are called ooblets and some look like mushrooms and some look like beets like things that you would grow but they're creatures some of them are angry some of them are really happy and you can like go around town and you perform dance battles with your ooblets <laughs> against other ooblets. It has like a very Pokemon-esque vibe to it, mixed with like Stardew Valley and... This is adorable. It, I remember this game coming cute. out and now I feel really bad that I missed it. So it, I think what happened is it came out and there wasn't a ton of content maybe in the early access, but they had like mm. a huge update in the fall and there's like tons of new shops in town. You can buy clothing for yourself i can't remember if you can buy clothing can for, your for your ooblets <laughs> yeah. or if that's something you just like i can't remember how i get the clothing there is clothing for ooblets though um like one of my guys he he has like a monocle oh that's um, very cute i can't remember what i think i named him alfred because i was like it's this alfred very from batman oh so cute um but yeah like that is batman good when I need a break from Elden Ring, I just play Ooblets and that's, I've put a lot of hours into the game in like the span of a month. Yeah, I mean, that is the duality of man, is it not? Elden Ring and Ooblets. <laughs> <laughs> we really all need is. the intense game and also the, the cute game just to unwind and chill. It's yeah. Nice. I am a multifaceted gamer. Yes. <laughs> Hot aliens, Elden Ring, and Ooblets. Things, it's so adorable. You don't know whether you want to squeeze them or eat them. <laughs> um, anyways, I guess we can move on past the games we're playing. Um, into, I guess why we had you on, Natalie, is to talk about you've had like such an interesting career. I know other journalists we've had on and just people I've talked to, a lot of them have gone or they know of journalists who started in journalism and then left to go into PR. A lot of this mm -hmm. has to do with like job stability. But I, I wanted to get your perspective on the relationship between journalism and PR, why mm -hmm. you've, you've dabbled in both, maybe why you chose journalism over PR mm -hmm. and thoughts you have there. Yeah. So my journey has been a little weird because I graduated college until just last year. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been doing, I've been writing on a part-time basis, uh, started at RPG site, moved over to Paste Magazine, then came over to Fanby as a weekend writer, and then changed over to like a featured contributor and now assistant mm -hmm. managing editor. Um, and I did that all in my quote-unquote free time between like a full school schedule uh at like a, a rigorous university where like something like 80 percent of students are medicated or something you oh just see goodness. therapy dogs everywhere it's great um until you realize why <laughs> the therapy dogs are everywhere um and i also had like at least one part-time job going on because i've had to help sort of 
I've had to help my family with mm-hmm. financial issues for ever since I started working. Um, so I've I've done the journalism thing, but I did it on a part-time basis where like I always considered myself as a student first and always wanted, I mean, I sort of, I made a lot of sacrifices for my education as a first in my family to go to college. Um, so for me, it was always really important that even though I, I really liked the writing thing. I had to prioritize my education and my grades. Um, So I managed to graduate last year. um, And last year, during January 2020, I believe, is when I started my PR internship over at Player 2 PR, which is an indie games agency. Um, And so I, I think it's important and I hear it's quite normal at this age to be a little confused about what you want out of life mm-hmm. and to explore. Um, I think I, I've always known that I've wanted to do something that involves writing. That's always been my thing. I've always been like one brain cell oriented in terms of math and science. So I knew that wasn't for me. I knew I was on the other end of the spectrum. Um, and so I, I wanted to to try the PR thing because, first of all, I I loved the people that I interned for. Um, Charlene uh, is just like a a powerhouse in the indie games uh, PR space. And Mm -hmm. I have worked with her as a journalist before. um, And I just, I wanted to work with her more directly and she had an internship available. So I was like, oh oh my gosh, I would love to do that. Um, And the team is, is a small but mighty team that manages to do everything amongst those like four to five people now. Um, at the time, it was just like three or four of us. Um, so I I wanted to do the PR thing because I wanted to get another perspective. I think on on video games. I think as a journalist, um, you know, I can pitch all these stories and I can I can play games and I have the freedom to say what I want about them, especially at an outlet like Fanbyte that really encourages our individual voices. Um, But in terms of the freedom that you have as a journalist, I actually feel like it is a little constricting at times because I can only react to games once they're already out and, you know, Mm. released into the universe. On the PR side, you get to really see those games before they're actually released to the public. And so for me, that was a really enticing idea to, to get to know sort of that other side of games. Um, this happened after my PR internship, but I, I did my first consulting job uh, on a AAA game uh, last year. And I feel like in those sort of two to three weeks where I consulted on that game, I feel like I learned more about game development than I had across several years of journalism because I got to see just how games are sometimes just held up by duct tape. Like, it feels yeah. like that. It feels like they're just miracles. And I'm like, how how do you all develop these? How do you ship these? How do you release these? So I'm, I'm a curious person. And so I wanted to really get to know that different side of game development and I think it was really such a joy for me to to play builds of games that I had looked forward to I, I really love the particular games that player 2 PR uh, does work for and specifically why I really wanted to join them along with you know my love for Charlene um, and yeah I loved playing advanced builds and you know including feedback for the developers. Um, I loved uh, seeing what they had planned and wanting to just, you know, PR is like storytelling. It is another form of storytelling and telling stories that really highlight the work of these developers and how much, you know, you see all the hard work that they're doing behind the scenes and it makes you really motivated to, to tell those stories and to tell them in the, the most flattering but also genuine and authentic ways to the public. So yeah, I was really curious to, to do that and I, I adored the experience. It was wonderful. Um, I also really love you know, what I do. I love working with uh, freelancers and incredible 
staff members that have come from places like the Washington Post or like who have freelanced for places like Vice, Polygon, PC Gamer. Um, uh, Danielle, I actually told her, uh, my editor-in-chief, uh, I grew up watching her on streams and, you know, reading her work on Polygon and Zam and all these places, hearing her on Waypoint Radio before she became our editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of like pinching myself because I, I grew up <laughs> listening to this woman talk about life is strange and now I get into the slack every day and I'm like hi Danielle yeah. <laughs> um, so I I love what I do on the journalism side as well um, I think the relationship between PR and journalism is a multifaceted and complicated one but ultimately I think we we have the same goals of telling stories and so I think like as a journalist, it really helps me uh, to have had that PR internship experience because it's not just about the stories that I want to tell. It's also about gauging what stories I think the person on the other side, on the PR side, wants to tell about these developers. And sometimes they can't really tell those stories um, without getting sort of the the support of someone on the outside saying, hey, I'm interested in covering this. Let's work together to find a way to tell that story. Um, For example, I cover a lot of Japanese role-playing games since that's a genre that I really love. Um, There are cultural differences among Japanese developers and developers over here in the West where it's like when you have a Japanese developer sort of coming out and talking about their work, um, that's not something that happens as often among Japanese developers because there is sort of a sentiment that maybe talking about your work is seen as bragging or as not being humble. Um, But if you have a journalist who, and so that makes it difficult for some PR folks over on the, who work with Japanese games to, to tell those stories and to highlight the work of those developers in the way that that work should be highlighted. But if you have a journalist on the outside who comes to a PR person and is like, hey, I want to tell this story and I think you also want to tell this story and these developers deserve to have their stories told. Let's find a way that we can both, you know, collaborate in order to tell the story together. Um, I think that really helps to shine a light on the stories that I think the industry should hear more about. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a multifaceted relationship, but at the best of times it's it's just people working together to storytell and we've been doing that ever since we started existing right so yeah (laughs) i i'm glad you noted the whole like working together as pr professionals and journalists because sometimes it feels like like sometimes we are just we're already pitching a story that we have in mind and we are looking for a reporter who sees that and they're like you know what like yes i like that i'll write that story I think it's harder for journalists and to come to PR professionals and be like, hey, like, I want to write this story. How do we work with you? And I think that gets easier over time after you've developed relationships with reporters throughout your career. Mm-hmm. But I I definitely think that's something that's like I I want to get better at personally and just to be able to like I want journalists to feel comfortable to come to me and just like you said, like find the way to tell the story that we all want to create that works for both journalists and PR professionals and our clients. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think also, I mean, in facilitating that relationship and having that ultimate same goal, there's also smaller, different goals that we have that sometimes might be seen as conflicting. Um, For example, I see a lot of It happens often where, so a a really evergreen topic among journalists is the amount of time that we get for codes, right? Like Mm -hmm. reviewing games is so different from, for example, reviewing movies where, yeah, the Batman was three hours of Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson looking beautiful and sexy on screen Uh, and that was wow that was three hours you know sitting in a chair for three hours is whew but 
it's only three hours. If for a video yeah. game, it can be anywhere from an hour to like, I mean, Elden Ring, most people did not, were not able to get a review up by embargo because they just didn't have enough time to do the, uh, I think my my best friend finished at around over a hundred hours. One of my coworkers was really brain sick about it and they were like 300 hours let's go and that's when they finished Elden Ring and it's like you wow you can't do that when it comes to reviewing games because you're often on such a tight deadline um I I think those stories have come out a bit more over time especially with Twitter and social media uh but I think a lot of people not in the know about it would be surprised about how little time reviewers can get to review games and so that's always going to be a a really important conversation in the space and I do see a lot of people will jump to say well it's it's PR that isn't giving us enough time with these codes and it's like well a lot of the time the PR person has gone to the developer ahead of time and been like hey, journalists will not like if you give them like four days to review a 50-hour game. We need to be more proactive about this and try to give them as much time as possible. But things don't always line up and PR people are sometimes not in charge of when they get to distribute code. So they have to work with what they've got. And it's it's easy to sort of cast the blame on, on those PR professionals. But there are times when, you know, PR professionals have had to call fanbite and be like, hey, sorry about this mix-up, like, the heads, you know, did this when we indicated this, and now yeah. we have to sort of clean that up, and so it's it's a very multifaceted issue that doesn't, the issue doesn't, and the conversation especially, doesn't begin or end at PR didn't give us enough time. If anything, PR probably fought for you to have more time. It just wasn't a thing that happened in the end so you know dispelling those misconceptions and having both sides of the perspective I think that is an important thing to do especially since we're trying to work together to tell those stories and have to collaborate you know yeah I, I appreciate that you have that perspective um, <laughs> but it's like you mentioned earlier that people would be surprised at how games are held together by like tape and how close those games are like how like they get finished when they launch like the day one patches are notorious it's mm-hmm. a lot of times that's why like people don't get review codes um in the timeline that like we would like as PR professionals because we know like we want to give you as much time as you can with that game because that's ultimately probably will lead to better more thorough coverage than hey you have a week to play Elden Ring like that's <laughs> impossible Yep. And unhealthy to ask someone to try and beat a game in that time frame. Right. Um, and as PR people, you naturally want the best coverage for these games as possible. I mean, so much work has gone into these games. And if it's if it's a great game, you know, you want people to be able to realize that. And when you're a journalist, um, it's that... It probably shouldn't, but journalists are human, and the amount of time... If you get, like, three days to be a game that's, like, 50 hours long, odds are you're probably going to resent that game for that deadline, and that is unfair to developers. We know it. PR people know it. Everyone knows it. But at the end of the day, we're also human, right? Like, I I always tell people that uh, I... One of my favorite games ever, The Last of Us Part 2, finished that in under two days. That is a very long game. And, you know, I gave it a a glowing score, went on to write about it a lot, you know, talked to developers and did a lot of positive coverage on it. But one of my favorite games ever should not be the bar that every game subscribes to or (laughs) aspires to and it can't be the bar that every game ascribes to so ultimately it's everyone knows that it's for the benefit of all involved to get more time but you know it doesn't always happen for a reason and it's important to to keep that perspective about who who's in charge of that and who can you know 
create that change and it's a really complicated conversation and uh, yeah it's just important to have empathy for for everyone involved yeah i i also played the last of us part two in like two days i remember at like 2 a.m because i i bought the digital version so it would be downloaded at like midnight and i remember like sobbing my eyes out at like 2 a.m and then playing until the sun was up and my eyes hurt and I was like okay I'm gonna sleep for like three hours and I'm gonna wake back up (laughs) all because I was like I was putting out a spoiler cast that Monday like just for no professional reason I just was like (laughs) I'm gonna I want to record this spoiler cast so I'm gonna play this game and it took two days and yeah I was like I I don't know how journalists do it because I had to take like work off after that. I was like, I'm exhausted and need to like recoup and spend a whole day sleeping. Right. Like that's tough. And I mean, you, you were gearing up for a spoiler cast, but it wasn't like it was a professional obligation where you depended on money, like for notoriously underpaid, like overworked industry so many journalists are in the position where like that is their next sort of rent that's Mm -hmm. their next phone bill and so it's like they got to do that and then they also got to you know hop into the slack and post like 500 news articles a week or something thankfully at fanbyte we have like a really everyone is like stupendously good about not overworking about making sure we take comp days no one is pressured to to me review embargoes at the cost of your personal health like i i feel guilty about how good we have it at fanbyte and how wonderful uh, you know my bosses are and the privilege that we have in in being healthy about our work but not everyone has that privilege uh, i would say most people in this industry don't um and i think that's also something worth keeping in mind in terms of like the pr side because so many of the journalists that you know that we or that i as a pr intern and you two as like full-time pr professionals that like you contact so many of those journalists are doing this on the side it's not like a full-time gig that they can sustain themselves with and so it's like how can we both tell these stories that we want to get out there within these constraints of like hey you have a a whole 40 hours per week job that you got to do uh in addition to wanting to cover this game so it's there's a lot to it yeah there is <laughs> thank you for, for providing those insights because yeah i feel like this is a platform to kind of bring awareness to those issues that not a lot of people are aware of yeah. um besides those of us who are maybe in it natalie you talked about fanbite and i i want to like get from your perspective what has drawn you to working there and and now having the full-time position there which is amazing i've followed the site for a couple years now especially since i had known imran from game informer and then kfgd and he drew me to the site and elise's and kenneth's and 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 michael hyam's doing final fantasy 14 coverage like what do you think makes how would you describe like fanbytes niche or pitch it to people who might not be as familiar as the site as people who maybe only visit more mainstream uh mm-hmm. like entertainment sites yeah so so those are two different questions what what attracts me to fanbyte and also the pitch for fanbyte so the pitch for fanbyte would be it is a site where we were talking my boss and i were talking earlier about how we want to handle coverage going forward and what we ultimately said and repeated several times is like fanbyte is a place where you can get like a really sophisticated academic article on like uh yellow jackets and the 90s written by an incredible freelancer that i've been working with ryan stevens um edited by elise favis uh she really loves those like long form more and analytical driven pieces and you can also get at the same time Ken Shepard writing an ode to Varl's beard in Horizon Forbidden West (laughs) because Aloy tells him to cut it and I'm like 
this this is impossible like he's so beautiful with that beard why would you tell him to cut it <laughs> off Aloy so it's it's a site where I think we we have the freedom to do so much to to post and publish the the critical analysis and the incisive um, criticism that I've always wanted to see more of in this industry that we could always certainly use more of but we also know how to have a lot of fun like we just post silly articles quite often and we trust each other that even though those articles are silly there is some sort of insight held within them and I think Fanbyte really speaks to certain communities like Destiny or Final Fantasy 14 to the point that we have now a whole Final Fantasy 14 vertical uh, added by, as you said, Michael Hyam and Mike Williams, who came from US Gamer. Um, so it's, it's a place where we can do it all and where we're encouraged to do it all while also we tell each other do less because we have a tendency to really want to do everything. And even though we know that we can do everything. That doesn't mean that you necessarily should. Um, I know that you guys, from being at Triple Point, you know what it's like to have like a really healthy, supportive, and collaborative environment. Um, and that's ultimately what attracted me to Fanby, and what I think has attracted people like Imran and Elise and Kenneth and whatnot to stay here. Um, it is, if I could pitch it in the most concise way, it is the antithesis to everything that I thought would be capable for me in this field. It is having a healthy work balance, work-life balance. It is being surrounded by people who are supportive and loving and smart and also really kind. It is having people who are unafraid to, you know, publish, like, hey, the Falleluja developers think we're being idiots for, like, you know, falling for this sort of, like, harmful marketing mired in, like, racist stereotypes. And we could also publish stuff like, again, that Ode to Borrow's Beard or Kenneth. And that's, like, the very next day, I believe, he published a piece on how he relates to Aloy's position in this world or in the world of Horizon Forbidden West as, like, this sort of enlightened individual who doesn't believe in God, who believes in people and and in science, and how that has served as a parallel to his experiences as a gay man growing up in the Bible Belt. Um, and so that's that's ultimately what Fanbyte is. And yeah, it's just everything that I, I thought would not be accessible to me, especially as a woman of color who is queer, who is from a low financial background. Um, I I hear so many horror stories of friends who have had like awful working conditions, just overworked, exploited, uh, underpaid ridiculously. I know friends who have current stories at outlets that you think would be able to pay what they deserve to be paid. Um, that includes some of the biggest outlets in the entire industry that you would assume are rolling in the dough and that probably are but just aren't paying enough um, to the people that make that money so it's it's just everything that I didn't think was available to me and now that I'm here it's like oh man I feel guilty about this a lot of the time I feel very fortunate but I also feel guilty Um, and I guess the only way to truly move forward is to to do my best with these people who also give their best every day and mm-hmm. I feel so fortunate to be among them so yeah that was that was a really sappy spew oh I loved it <laughs> I loved it yes please I don't really feel love my guilty. co-workers and the, the place that I work at it's wonderful and I'm really lucky that they were like hey you do good work enough to make you assistant managing editor here you go and I'm like oh. yeah thank you I'll I mean you. it's that's a testament to you and your quality of writing and the passion that you have as well as like just who Fanbyte is. Um, Yeah, I, it's not surprising to hear how good the work-life balance is at Fanbyte. I feel like every time I've, everything I've read from that outlet, kind of what comes to mind is passion. Like 
everybody it just seems like you can you can see it come through in the writing about how much people enjoy writing what they are writing at that site that means so much to hear I, i will be so happy to pass that along because ultimately authenticity and that passion mm-hmm. is so central to fanbyte like we will cover patches or press releases if we are interested in them but we're not beholden to like we don't feel beholden to you know cover some things because we're obligated to like everyone covers something because they actually care about that thing and they want to tell a story like again haven got that new update two years after it was released and we got an interview real quick about that couple's update with the developers and that's because Kenneth that game spoke to Kenneth and he wanted to cover it and use that position to tell that story so I I can't say that for sure just everything that you will read on fanbyte is because someone actually cared about that thing whether it is negative or positive coverage can't always guarantee positive coverage um but i think that's what makes it important coverage it's always going to be authentic and genuine to the author and i'm really proud to work at a site like that because a lot of my friends don't always have that privilege or they want to for example write about ukraine and what's happening there and higher ups at their site are telling them no you can't do that that's controversial which like who, who, who would have thought that would be controversial? You know, the, right. writing about a war going on. Especially in the games industry, everything is controversial. It's everything yes. you're going to put out is going to upset somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's good to have an outlet that is confident in their own position on things and to feel free to be able to talk about what you want to talk about because it matters to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I to say like I, I just kind of want to call out some of your own articles as someone oh who gosh. has read your articles and you cover a lot of games that have meant a lot to me that I feel like maybe didn't have huge mainstream followings and like mm-hmm. there are recent examples about like unpacking and mm-hmm. you I th- think it was also in your top games but like Spirit Fairer yes. I'm almost positive it was you who introduced me to that game like oh unintentionally Really? Yeah, I was going back through your coverage and I was like, I remember reading this and being like, I want to try this game out. And I loved Spiritfarer. And oh, I'm so happy to hear yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> like something that in journalism, a lot of journalists are rightfully careful about is saying, you know, journalism is not an arm for marketing. Um, but it's like, First, yes, first of all, yes, I am absolutely not an arm for marketing. But also, if I really love a game, I'm going to make sure everyone knows about it. I'm yeah. going to make sure to use my position to tell everyone about how good Spirit Fair is, about how, like, I played that demo. I went to a, a sort of private uh, demo, you know, unveiling of that game. And I had to like pause before asking the developers my first question because I was like sobbing because uh, they that demo consisted of everything up until when Gwen leaves. Okay. You know, yeah. yeah. So that scene, that was what they topped it off with. And I was just an absolute mess. I was like, I'm so sorry. This has never happened to me before. I swear I'm a professional. And I was just like crying <laughs> like on camera. And it's like... For sure, I am not an arm for marketing, but if I love a game, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows it and I am going to support that game with everything that I've got in me. And I love when that happens because you you want to love things, right? You you yeah. want to say, "Hey, this game is wonderful." And play Spirit Fair or play Unpacking, which was marvelous. Um, <laughs> that so. one also left me sobbing. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Wasn't God. expecting that one. So, so good. I'm so glad to see it's won so many awards. I know. It's, I feel like I want to replay it now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely not an arm for marketing, but there is something to say of like having journalists who are dedicated to talking about like diverse stories Mm -hmm. and giving this platform to a lot of indie games that maybe wouldn't get like that coverage in the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, I feel like this is probably an easy answer, but 
now that you're like an editor, is that something that like you want to continue writing about? And is that like a specific pillar that like, do you focus on like these diverse games? Mm -hmm. So I think the answer to that is just like for everything we've talked about today and everything that this podcast is dedicated to showing, which is like, it is a complicated and multifaceted answer. Um, So in terms of do I see a change in the industry, I don't quite know. So at Fanbyte, we cover a lot of indie games, a lot of smaller games that we that we see something really special in, especially if they're inclusive games. Uh, we have like a majority POC queer, uh, you know, staff with different genders and sexualities. Like we are a very diverse staff and we speak to the stories that speak to us. Uh, but we also have a lot of freedom in doing that, that not other publications have. Um, we have the resources to be able to set aside time and to write about those games. Uh, Unfortunately, the fact is that that is not the truth for a lot of sites out there who have to live and die by their numbers and who, you know, I I have good friends at places like IGN or GameSpot. They're like, I really want to write about this magical indie game. But that means I have to take time away from writing about Fortnite or writing about Elden Ring and between the two I mean I I can try to push myself to cover that indie game but a lot of the time the numbers will show that the interest differs quite substantially between the two and also there's only so much of me um, is what my friends will say and what every writer will say even writers at fanbyte where we have the resources and the freedom to do it there's only so much of each of us and there are so many games that come out every single day and so many good games uh that unfortunately just do not get the spotlight that they deserve and i think there are a lot of people on the freelance on the full-time staff side on all sides trying to improve this um but it's, it is a matter of like, yeah, I mean, do the numbers justify it? And that is like an unfortunate reality of the media space and the media model at large of being based on ad revenue and whatnot. So yeah, we have, we have the freedom to do that at Fanbyte and we try to push that as much as we can, just like there are individual people at other sites doing that, but it's, it's a complicated, thing for sure um but i i can definitely say that as an editor i mean i i don't even have to push it i mean just the writers on our team you know those stories speak to them as people who are you know who have so many different experiences from all walks of life so i'm i think that's important to note too it starts from your staff makeup it starts from the people that you hire and that you pay and that you give a platform to uh you can only push people to cover inclusive stories uh for so long if like those people that those games speak to are not a part of your staff and the people who have the platform to speak on those games so i mean yeah complicated topic (laughs) very complicated and that feels like the perfect place to end this conversation i nothing i could add to make that more um clear sam do you have any last questions for natalie uh no i mean i appreciate the honesty natalie in that answer and that it's you know it comes from a place of genuine interest and wanting to bring a spotlight to these things but not every um, outlet has the bandwidth for it or, you know, even the outlets that do put effort and time into it like Vanbyte does is it's, it's really intentional. There's a lot thought of thought behind the stories that you all put out. So uh, thank you for explaining that to us. Yeah, no, I, I imagine it's upsetting for you all too on the PR side when you, you know, you've got a really great small game and you want to see more coverage for it. And it's like, there's like 500 reasons why the journalist on the other end might not be able to cover it. It feels like um, sometimes it really feels just as much of a miracle as games 
being shipped and coming out, um, it feels as much of a miracle that those games get coverage given the landscape of the media industry. Um, sometimes like th there are so many small games and I'm like, oh man, I wish I could read a, a really good rapport or a really good criticism piece on, uh, I don't know, the Zero Escape series or some mm. obscure, have you played it, Sam? I, uh, another one where I've watched, uh, <laughs> yes. the, the, man, the stories are wild. Both of you and, have and... such incredible taste, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Every game that I've mentioned today, it's just like, bam, bam, oh, love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wish I could read a fantastic long-form thing on that, but it's like, the resources and and so i can imagine i mean as a pr person it, you know i can imagine that is disheartening as well and it is disheartening for us because we're like oh man i really want to use my position to talk about this game but i know that as an intern working for a, an indie games pr agency it was like ah man if only all these wonderful games like if only everyone could see the work going into them see everything that we see in them and and if everyone had the freedom and the bandwidth to cover all of them in the way that they deserve. But yeah, the reality is is a difficult one. And I think the magic and the relationship between PR and journalism, it happens when everything somehow coalesces into an opportunity to storytell, when despite all the limitations that we're all facing on both sides, we can collaborate to tell a really good story about a really good developer or a really good game that deserves it and that's when that's when those magical stories come out and when you kind of remember hey there's a reason why i'm doing this thing yeah that's every once in a while those stars do align and it is a great feeling and there's been many times even just over the past year working at triple point where we've gotten like coverage for a game that I'm like so happy and proud of the de the developers for because it's like oh like when you have weekly calls with them and you hear like how passionate they are about their own game and like you mentioned you just you want everybody else to know the passion that went into this game and the stories of like the developers behind it that often don't get told it's mm -hmm. yeah it's a special feeling when those stars align and we can tell those stories. For sure, and be proud of the work that you do too in securing that coverage. I mean, the developers worked on that game and whatnot, but also you worked hard to secure that coverage. So it's it's everyone involved making it, that happen. And yeah, it's, it's a, a great feeling when it does. It's an, a machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are m many parts and they all work together and they all comes, there's a final product, there's multiple final products, but yeah, it's, it is a great feeling. We're just little cogs in the machine of life. <laughs> we are. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. It This has just been a wonderful conversation. And hopefully Thank you we so can... much for having me. I, now I just want to talk about like Zero Escape with Sam or Spirit Fair <laughs> with Caitlin. I, yes, please. Uh, please join us again. We can talk yes. about, we'll give it some time play yes. some new games and then we'll all come back and find out that we've been playing the same games again by then you'll finish elden ring probably yeah, maybe i i'm not sure if i will ever beat it i i'm stuck on a boss right now i was so close to beating him last night like 10 times probably more than 10 times and i just kept dying i was like i'm done i can't play this game anymore so we'll see i i don't finish many games but I hope to. Um, As we remember when you mentioned Mass Effect. Yes, you must I know. Finish. Like, <laughs> I'm making we a mental list that. of games that I need to play, and Mass Effect is one of them. Next time that we talk on a podcast, you have to have finished Mass Effect. Okay. That's <laughs> I, I will add it to my to-do list, <laughs> and we'll eventually get to it. Um, awesome. Do you want to tell the... <laughs> the listeners where to find you at fanbite and on social media 
Yes, so you can find me over at Twitter at Hardimicia, that's heart I-M-E-C-I-A. Um, for any Final Fantasy VIII stands, that's a reference, um, a good Final Fantasy game. Uh, <laughs> you can find, I, I don't write much these days, I'll ease back into it eventually. I'm more of an editing role, an assistant managing editor role, if you will, uh, over at Fanbyte. I will be starting officially tomorrow, but by the time that this podcast is posted, I will have started my new role. Uh, so you can read the wonderful writing uh, over there anytime. We have so much coverage of everything weekly destiny raids i proofread those articles and i'm like literally what am i reading oh my goodness so much <laughs> happens in destiny uh we have so many elden ring guides so much analysis on games like horizon forbidden west and like smaller indie games like haven and uh we have a tunic review going out tomorrow probably mm-hmm. um a nice little indie game that everyone's been anticipating by Finji. I think that'll be an interesting one to watch out. Uh, I've been playing it a little as well. Uh, and yeah, we just, we're always on the pulse of all of it. So you can catch us over at fanbite.com. Great. Thank you. Um, you can find me at Caitlin Redwing on Twitter. And Sam, I can't think of your at. <laughs> It's okay. I get made fun of because it's my full name. Uh, you can find me at Sam Scott Mosier uh, everywhere. So you can find the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Scott with one T. Um, <laughs> you can find the show at Real Time Strats on social media. You can email us questions at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Great. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>